1: Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Mark
0: Fine. Well, welcome to the Footyology Podcast. It's our round nine preview, but Rowan's in China, part work, part play. I think it's mainly play, given that there's only one day of football. Of course, that's coming up on the weekend, Gold Coast versus Port Adelaide, and uh, he's away for a couple of weeks enjoying the Orient, so... Carl Bianco, who is the man that uh, we can thank for this podcast because he's behind the buttons and puts the whole dang thing together, he's stepping in front of the microphone. We're going to have an abridged version, so just a quick look at the issues of the week and Media Watch, we're going to get our tips out and never again, so we'll do a miniature version without Rowan, but uh, g'day Carl.
1: Hello Finey, thanks for having me on the Footyology Podcast.
0: Well, you love your football, you're heavily invested in local footy, and of course you love your Tigers, mm-hmm. so the ladder reads well again. Richmond up the top.
1: Yeah, it's it's nice. I'm getting used to it. In my lifetime, I've never seen Richmond up the pointy end of the table, apart from a few occasions. I'm just so used to losing games and being near the bottom or finishing in ninth, our traditional place. But uh, top of the ladder, it's it's nice to be there. But how long can the Tigers stay there? That's the question I suppose everybody's asking.
0: I reckon I'm answering, and that is for quite a while. Though. Anyway, we'll find out a lot this weekend. Fantastic way to finish the round, West Coast Richmond. But let's start, as we always do, with issues of the week.
1: Yes, and uh, of course, one of the big topics of the week is Mark Neild uh, departing the Essendon Football Club. And it's it's news that's uh, come as a, a shock to a few people, but I, I don't know, Fanny... I, when, when I look at situations like this, obviously Essendon have had their struggles. Did you notice Mark Neal sort of having an impact at Essendon or impacting the way Essendon were playing too much? Like I, I don't think Mark Neal's to, to blame for what's happened at Essendon. I think most people would look at the situation
0: at Essendon. And they've got a, a range of assistant coaches with senior coaching experience and lay the responsibility fairly and squarely at the feet of the senior coach John Worsfold, so to take out one of his deputies, of course Essendon are playing a straight bet on this and claiming that John Wors, uh, John Worsfold had nothing to do with the sacking of Mark Neill, that Mark Neill himself sort of walked. Mm. I think everybody is really looking at John Worsfold as the man in charge, and I'm pretty sure that Essendon supporters will ultimately hold John Worsfold responsible for the recovery or lack of recovery of Essendon. I think the line in the sand has been drawn. And from this point on, John Worsfold's days are numbered unless there can be a quick turnaround. They're talking about playing two debutants this weekend, Mm. which, again, will further put pressure on the senior members of the team. There's no Danaher for a month.
1: Mm.
0: The form of senior players like Brendan Goddard have come strongly into question Dyson Heppel's leadership's been good over the last couple of weeks, but where has Zach Merritt been? The Ruckman, whether it's Bell Chambers or Lewenberger, have been beaten almost every week, and people are asking questions of Hurley. So, beyond the assistant coaches, there's going to be a hell of a lot of pressure on John Wersfeld and senior players to turn the form around.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I I think it's wrong to to put the blame on Mark Neild for the situation that Essendon are in at the moment. Uh, a lot of a lot of people are saying that he's a, a, an scapegoat for for what's been happening. But scapegoat. Yeah, scapegoat. Yeah, that's it. And uh, I I think it's wrong to label him as that because there's a lot going on at Essendon and they've had a lot going on for a long time. So to blame one individual for for the team's overall performance of a season is, is wrong. There's there's a a number of factors that are contributing to the to the lack of form for and They got injuries. You know, Joe Danohair is supposed to be there, the number one forward, and form's been debatable. and Now he's injured, so that's a setback for Essen. It's a, a difficult time for the club, and uh, yeah, as you said, Worsfolder. I suppose if he goes at Essendon, <laughs> the Essendon job. It's like who who really wants to to fill fill the position if if he was to go. So oh,
0: there'll be hands up. Just you know, look. In terms of Joe Danaher's injury, he's a big loss. Let's not uh, beat about the bush. But in terms of comparing Essendon's injury list to that of other clubs, mm-hmm. they can't use injuries as an excuse. You have a look at Adelaide soldiering on, West Coast Eagles, GWS have been crueled by injuries this season. Mm-hmm. They're all above Essendon, and look, in some quarters, um, Essendon were tipped to go all the way this year, so mm-hmm. no, they can't point to injuries. Let's move on. Yep. And the other big story of the week has been, remember last week we said you can't touch an umpire?
1: <laughs> you certainly can't touch an umpire. And, uh, of course... Uh, Even if you're a colonel. Yeah, well, in, in particular if you're a kerno and we're recording this on Thursday, and the, the AFL have uh, obviously appealed... Uh,
0: Their $1,000 fine seemed ridiculous. Mm, Yeah, I mean, Tom Hawkins goes, Stephen May goes, and the two Kurnos get a $1,000 fine. I think Mark Robinson in the Herald Sun probably hit the nail on the head, and that is to... It's almost insult to injury. Okay, if you're not going to suspend the plays because the the contact seemed more incidental than the others,
1: Mm.
0: then you cannot find them $1,000. Had that fine been $10,000 each, I think um, the volume of complaint and the, the agitation that has been heard on talkback radio and felt on social media would have been quelled. You know, mm. $10,000 is serious, but uh, people just get a sense that $1,000 for an AFL footballer is its not even a slap on the wrist, it's a parking fine.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, definitely, and uh, I I think if if Tom Hawkins in Tom Hawkins's case he he gets rubbed out for a match, you have got to do the same for other players when they contact umpires. Oh, you no,
0: see, I don't agree with that not necessarily. Look, like, Tom Hawkins just demonstrably pushed away the umpire and, and pushed at his hand. Mm. There are situations on the field where an umpire and a player can, for example, sort of cross paths and yeah, in an attempt, you know, sort of letting one. Go in the other. You might pat somebody on the back or etc. I mean, yeah. both umpires and players now need to be pretty aware of their own personal space. Mm-hmm. So I think that there are degrees here. I don't think it's a case of touch the umpire, get suspended.
1: Yeah, yeah but, but more so on the, along the lines if if it's accidental. Okay, as in you you sort of bump into the umpire. You're running in one way and you just happen to accidentally knock them. You know, out of uh, not necessarily to the ground or anything, but just a, a harmless knock by accident, then I don't see a reason why a, a player should be fined or, or given a week for it. But if you're trying to sort of get a point across with the umpire and you're using physical contact, which has been the case with some of the incidents in the AFL, then I would I would think that it, it deserves a week at the very least a fine for, you know... A serious put, fine. Yeah, yeah, for putting force on an umpire. There's no need to touch an umpire full stop unless it is by accident.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair... The one thing that I think we all can agree upon is the response to the light fine handed to the Kurnos didn't meet the standards that had been set by the AFL through Hawkins and May, and also now what fans expected. So just having a look at the AFL appealing to the decision, I think that's common sense as well. Again, Mm. Mark Robinson touched on that, but... There's nothing wrong with the AFL appealing a decision and I think ultimately we'll get a more acceptable result come out by the end of play on Thursday than we would have had been left alone. So we'll see how it plays out. As we said, as Carl said, we're only bringing this to you on Thursday morning, but it does look as though the Kurnos are going to be paying a higher price. Let's move on and time for Media Watch.
1: On Footyology Media Watch.
0: Now, I don't know whether this is because Rowan's in China, and I guess when we get together, we're a couple of grumpy old men, but I've decided this week, rather than stick the boot in, which has become a bit of the uh, trademark of Media Watch, us getting stuck into elements of footy media, um, I'm going to give the old thumbs up to some performers and performances so far this year, because you, know, you can't always be negative. So, Carl, mm. today I've got... Um, some gold stars and some elephant stamps for media performers. Okay. And I want to start with special comments people and yep. I guess one that Rowan sometimes puts his boot into, doesn't he? The old special comments man. Mm. But uh, a few that have caught my eye this year. I've, I'm really impressed by Dermy so far this season, mm. working with Fox Football, Dermot Brereton. Um, look, I've always liked Dermy's style. I do think that he brings some of the experience of on-field play into the box with him when he describes what's happening. But I, I really feel as though he's sharpened his focus and very much gives us exactly what a special comments person should give, which is their overlay on the game. And being a, a former champion of the game, he does that, and I think he does it very well. So I think Dermot Burton's at the top of his game. I, hmm. I think he's got a an added workload with Fox football this season, and he's really stepped up to the plate. So I think he's done very well.
1: Yeah, Derm uh, is a former colleague of both of ours, obviously at SEN, and uh, always uh, great to have a chat to him and knows his football. The one thing that stood out for me about Derm this year, it was a fair point, but I I think a little bit disrespectful towards Richmond supporters. He said that, uh, not to be disrespectful to be Richmond supporters, but... Richmond are a class above the competition, but the competition is not what it has been competitive wise. It's not as competitive as it has been in past years. So, uh, I, I, thought, I thought that was a bit, you know, uncalled for. I thought I... it was spot on. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely correct. Look, Richmond, I think, are clearly the dominant team this year. Mm. Now, that's great if you're a Richmond supporter, but there just isn't the depth at the top end. That we have had previously, you know, we've uh, Richmond's immediate opposition probably again would be Adelaide a team mm-hmm. that they handled pretty well in last year's finals. West Coast have obviously come from nowhere this year. Mm-hmm. Pardon me, but yeah, I think I think it's a fair comment. I think Richmond are a, a set for, a <clears throat> pardon me, a, a dominant period in what is potentially not that strong a top end competition.
1: Mm. Yeah, I have to agree to some point that the competition's not as strong as possible, but I I, I think it, it is a little bit of a pot shot against Richmond. But well, I, well, you can't,
0: you know, Richmond supporters, and Richmond can't have it all. You no, know, no, I know. We're conceding, yeah. or Durham's conceding, and I'm agreeing, and I think a lot of people are agreeing, last year wasn't a one-off, that Richmond, we've got every chance of being part of a a Richmond dynasty here of, mm. you know, maybe three, two or three flags in three or four years or even better. Yeah. If Richmond want that, if Richmond supporters want that overlaid with, it's happening at a time when there are a number of brilliant teams in the competition. Well, you're just not going to get it. So, sorry.
1: Yeah, that's a fair call. But I don't know. Would you prefer to see Richmond win grand finals when the competition's not at its best, or Richmond really competing against the top quality sides, and not necessarily not earning the grand finals, but you know, uh, they're earning it. No yeah. one's
0: no one's denying it. You can only play. Who you're up against. No, you just want to win every year and and beat the very best. But this is not going to be looked back at, let's say, as we did in the mid-'80s when there was Essendon, Hawthorne, Carlton. Even, you know, in the mid-'80s, Essendon had a brilliant team. Hawthorne, Carlton. Collingwood had a very strong side there for a period. North Melbourne... For a time, they had a very good team. Fitzroy had a wonderful team in the mid-80s. This was a period where there really were some brilliant football teams. We're not going to look back at this period with the same fondness of strength of teams as we did then, but that doesn't take away at all from Richmond. So let's move on. Other really good media performers. Mm -hmm. I think the one station on radio that really gets its brief right and understands what it is is triple m yep Uh, you know they know who they're pitching their football commentary to and they're true to their product you Mm. know they're they're fun they're laddish they're uh, a bit out there they're but they're still bringing a good product and in terms of special comments i have been very impressed by chris judd he has been able to marry up the needs of the station that is the the core message which is sort of Blokish fun football commentary mm. with insight into the game. And I've listened to Triple M a couple of times recently, and I've got to say big thumbs up for me. Surprisingly, I didn't think he was as good as he is to former blue star Chris Judd. And the reason I say surprisingly is I always felt that he was a bit too cool for school, Chris, and that mm. that football or the game itself wasn't necessarily the number one thing in his life so mm-hmm. i didn't know whether he'd be a great um, addition to the football football media because i don't know didn't know how much football he actually watched but no he's very good and a big thumbs up to that man chris Judd
1: yeah, no, he certainly made the transition from a uh, from a player to a media personality quite well, and, and his inside of the game is quite good and certainly adds extra uh, extra commentary to the coverage of Triple M and, and, and good on him for being able to, to do that. And, of course, he, he does footy classified on, on Monday nights as well and dissects the round with uh, Matthew Lloyd, uh, Hachi, and uh, also Caro. So, uh, yeah, good on him. My
0: next one is another Triple M performer, the one with you know, a bit of a shooting star, is former St. Lee or Joey Montagna. Mm. Not only has he joined the Triple M team in special comments and part of Triple M's Weekend of Football, he's got a bit of a show there, I think, on Saturday morning.
1: Yeah, yep.
0: But uh, he also commentates, and he did a bit of commentary in AFLW, and I also heard him take the microphone, not in special comments, but in match commentary last weekend, so... That's, a, that's another skill and one that he seems very comfortable with. I think he was doing the... I think he might have been involved in the Bulldogs game okay. on the weekend. Yep. Um, but, yeah, thumbs up to Lee Montagna quickly making his way, progressing through media commitments from special comments man to AFL commentator.
1: Yeah, no, very good. Another one of the former players that has retired recently and made that transition into a media personality quite well on radio and television. I've got one for you, Finny. Yep. And this is a journalist. However, I think he's been doing pretty good stuff on 3AW Football Michael Warner from the Herald Sun. Yep. I've been really enjoying his insight and uh, opinions on what's been playing out in the news stories throughout the week. He's he's not afraid to, to make a comment, and he's got a lot of traction on social media with some of the stuff he said as well. And uh, I, I thoroughly enjoy what he has to say from yeah. from a journalist's point of view.
0: Yeah, very strong, creditable newsbreaker. Mm. And we don't have a million of those now. So, yeah, he he's... Um Quite right, yeah. Good pick there, Carl. Uh, Quite rightly respected in breaking stories and also providing opinion thereafter. One last one, and uh, just to show that there's no hard feelings, it goes. He works for my old station, SEN. But a lot of people um, gave Robert Murphy, you know, a big thumbs up when he entered the media because Mm. he's viewed as being a thinking man's footballer, and I think he had a pretty soft entry into the media, but those things go by the wayside when you retire. You just become another special comments man. I've I've had a listen to him. And again, he's able to marry up a a little bit of humour, but he's still very strong in bringing his football experience to the listener. And I think that's very important that immediate past players, players who played last year or within the last couple of years, bring to the listener the experience of being on field, and especially specific examples of playing against certain players. I mean, if you're there in the commentary box and you've played against somebody that's out there having a say on a game of football, tell the listener what it's like to play on that player. Mm. Explain how to short-circuit that player or how difficult it is to bring that player to heel. And I think Robert Murphy does that as well as anybody. So well done to Bob.
1: Yeah, Yeah, definitely. I I agree with you 100%. He's uh, been a great addition to the media and provides a great insight on on some of the players that uh, he has played against, as he just said.
0: Well, that's Media Watch, a surprisingly friendly Media Watch. We'll get back to the uh, nastier version when Rowan returns from China for next week's audio podcast. But now it is time for our tips. On footyology previews... With punch, Well, it's time to have a look at round nine matches, and we start off with the Friday night blockbuster. It's in Adelaide and it's Adelaide versus the Western Bulldogs and Adelaide still seem to be unable to pull together a best 22 and news now that Mitch McGovern will be out for the best part of two months with a high ankle injury is mm. bad news for the Crows, but not bad enough news I think to derail them against the Western Bulldogs. They've been very good at covering the gaps, and young Fogarty, that strong-bodied forward, who wears number 32, the famous Rashido number, has been told that he's going to play some extended minutes in the seniors now for the next few weeks, and he's actually a good power forward. So I don't think they lose too much. I tip Adelaide over the doggies. How about you, Carl?
1: Yeah, I think Adelaide will be too strong. They've really made Adelaide Oval a Fortress, and uh, anyone that goes there... Has a bit of difficulty beating them. So, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be hard to tip against Adelaide at Adelaide Oval.
0: Now, if you're off to North Melbourne versus GWS Giants, pack a (laughs) windsheeter, another windsheeter, an anorak, a... In fact, I'd be taking a sleeping bag.
1: Yeah, I would too.
0: Because it's down in Blundstone Arena in Hobart. We know that Hobart's had some floods recently, so apparently the ground's okay, not overly affected or adversely affected by recent flood damage, and North Melbourne take on the GWS Giants and Phil Davis, of course, who came off concussed in a state, that was quite the look, wasn't it, last week, Phil Davis walking off? Yeah,
1: yeah. It, was... it looked like
0: he'd had f- about 10 beers too many.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely, copped a hard knock there, and... uh Actually, Dylan Shearer was on Macquarie Sports Radio yesterday and said that uh, Leon Cameron had ruled him out for this week, so oh, yeah, he definitely yeah. will miss.
0: Yeah, it was, I think it was an, what was it, an accidental elbow. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it was Jack Darling. You know, Jack Darling was going for the mark, Davis was there, but he copped a stiff elbow. Mm. And uh, as I said, looked like he'd been at the pub till well after closing North Melbourne are great at Blundstone and even last year when North Melbourne didn't win too many games, they were excellent at Blundstone, they had that 10 goal to 0 first quarter against Adelaide, mm. had a great win against Melbourne. Uh, I've got no problems tipping this very hard to beat North Melbourne to beat a you know down to bare bones GWS Giants in Tasmania. North for mine, no
1: problems. Yep, 100% agree. They obviously played Richmond last week on Mother's Day and... Uh... Certainly, match Richmond for the full four quarters. They they found it difficult. Richmond, I think last week they were, I think it was the first time they were sort of challenged by a team. Uh, aside from obviously when Richmond went to Adelaide, but uh, yeah, I think North for me too easy for them. But the Giants are going through a bit of a difficult path at the moment. Got a lot of injuries, so hopefully when it comes to the most important end of the season, they'll be with less injuries and can get their form back up, up again. So
0: yeah, it might be too late by then. They're out of the eight and. I don't know whether they'll get back into it.
1: Mm, yeah, and and it's a pretty tight. But, you know, we saw last year, at the end of last year, how tight it was to, to get eighth position. I think it's going to be very similar. Again, there's going to be three or four sides that are going to be pushing to to get into the eighth come the end of the season. So, uh, yeah, north for me.
0: Well, one of those teams at the moment in the battle, because they sit at eighth on the table, is Port Adelaide, and they're back to Shanghai. Gold mm. Coast, of course, hosts the game. But... Unfortunately for Gold Coast, that brave start to the season is starting to fall apart a bit and without Tom Lynch and a few other injuries, um, they're probably in Shanghai at the wrong time of the year. They got thrashed there last year and I I can't see them turning around. Port Adelaide for mine.
1: Yeah, I I agree. I I can't see the Gold Coast beating Port Adelaide, uh, whether it's overseas or whether it's uh, in in Australia. But uh, yeah, Uh, Port Adelaide will easily win that game, in my opinion.
0: Then an interesting twilight fixture at the MCG, four forty five at the MCG. Essendon hosts Geelong and I guess Geelong have to be weary of the fact that Essendon have been the team under siege this week. Spotlight, the media, of course, have focused on the removal of Mark Neald, so mm-hmm. there's definitely going to be a response from Essendon, but I just don't think they've got the manpower to turn a sort of a wounded a, a wounded um team into a convert that into a win. You know, that they will have taken in all of the media spotlight and there'll definitely be a response. They'll come out, bullet a gate, expect the first fifteen minutes to be red hot, but I don't think they've got the manpower to convert that into four points. Geelong for mine. And of course Geelong welcome back Tom Hawkins.
1: Yeah, Tom Hawkins returning is a big thing for, for Geelong any time he's in their forward line. It certainly improves him and gives him an extra three or four goal advantage, I would think. Uh, so I'm I'm going to tip Geelong comfortably. And as you said, I agree. I, I think Essendon will sort of be competitive to, to try and make a point. But Geelong's experience will, uh, will just be too good in the end there. So Geelong for me. Sydney take on Fremantle.
0: Fremantle have been pretty good. They had a workmanlike win against St Kilda, a game that they probably were tip to win, but they had a few players out. We'll see whether or not selection on Thursday night gives them a little bit of solace in terms of some returning players. I'm not sure how many are due back this week, but the trip to Sydney. Sydney's been an odd team because they've won every game away from the SCG. In fact, it's at the SCG where they've blotted their copybook, but Uh, we're expecting Buddy to play this week it's going to be touch and go but I'm even without Buddy Franklin and we bring you these tips before selection I am comfortable in tipping the Swans to get their home form right and get an important four points against the Fremantle Dockers who themselves sit just outside the ocean.
1: Yeah I think Sydney will be too good in the end there I just I don't know about Fremantle and yeah, I, I don't think that they could run over the top of Sydney at the SCG. But one thing I will say is Sydney are beatable at the SCG, except I don't think it'll be Fremantle. I'm tipping Sydney.
0: St Kilda host Collingwood at Eddie Head Stadium, also on Saturday night. And the Saints are now starting to run some younger players. Good to see Ed Phillips make his debut for St Kilda last week. That was quite encouraging. Unfortunately, at uh, the pointy end, there just seemingly incapable of hitting the scoreboard and kicking accurately. And Collingwood, whose form has been good, dropped the game against Geelong. And despite their good form, Collingwood are outside the eight. So it's a a must-win for the Pies, whose form sort of says to us that they are good enough to play finals football. Mm. Well, they need to win this game, and I think they will. Collingwood for mine over St Kilda.
1: Yeah, it's certainly going to be uh, a good game between these two teams. Uh, I want to say St Kilda. But uh, I I think Collingwood will be too good. I think it's going to be closer than what people think. Uh, But, yeah, I will tip Collingwood over St Kilda. Uh,
0: Let's go to Sunday. So far, we've agreed on all six games. Let's see how we go with our Sunday games. Carlton take on Melbourne at the MCG. Carlton had their first win last week, and that's the one that's caused Essendon all of that grief. As we sit here now... We don't know whether the Kurnos are playing, but you'd have to think that they're in doubt. And I can tell you this much if there's no Kurnos, there's no chance Carlton can win. Mm. Uh, and even with the Kurnos, Melbourne are putting together a pretty serious season. The Demons currently six on the ladder, but each week they seem to be made more of the right stuff and they really pounced and pounced on a, an injured. Gold Coast last week and turned a three or four-goal win into a ten-goal win with a, an impressive last quarter. They're starting to play like a power team, and I've got no problems tipping Melbourne at the G.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think it'll be a good game, though, uh, regardless of whether the Kernos play or not, i I'm I'm not saying Carlton are underrated but I I think they can they can be competitive at times so we we might see a good half of football at least and then I think Melbourne will run over the top they can't play four quarters Carlton unfortunately uh aside from last week against Essendon but uh yeah Melbourne for me
0: We move on to Brisbane versus Hawthorne, and the Hawks continue to impress they're currently 5th on the ladder and gee when you have a look at the the form of the likes of Burgoyne, I mean Brewston, and Gunston, they're in fantastic form. Sicily outstanding. And they've got some players really playing beautiful football. Brisbane at zero and eight. We say it every week. They're a pretty good zero and eight. But I think they're playing the wrong team this week. And I would have been tempted to tip Brisbane at home against most sides, but I think Hawthorne can start to sniff a top four spot and then who knows what. So the ultra-professional Hawks, too good for Brisbane, and zero nine. 9 it's going to have to be. Hawthorne for mine.
1: Yeah, I agree. Hawthorne uh, will, will, will most likely get the win there. But uh, again, Luke Hodge is going to come up against his old side, so that's, that's going to be uh, interesting to watch. And yeah, I, I think Brisbane at the Gabba uh, have been very good. Obviously, it's their home ground, but... Uh, Playing not a bad brand of football up there. So, but uh, yeah, I think Hawthorne will still be too good.
0: And we saved the best till last. It's first versus second. These two teams, after eight rounds, are already two games clear of the rest of the pack. So whoever wins this is really cementing a top two spot. It's West Coast hosting the Tigers. And this should be a cracking game of football. Nick Natanui returns for West Coast. It's... They've still got a couple of key players out, but don't worry. You know, playing at their home ground, Optus Stadium in WA, they've got that big home crowd advantage. It should be a fantastic game. The Tigers seem up for the battle wherever they play football. I'm going to go with the home team. I'm going to go with the West Coast Eagles. No disrespect to Richmond, and they'll have their time to respond to West Coast back on home turf. But I just think having seen West Coast defeat GWS last week so comprehensively uh, without Nick Nui that put Nick Nat back in that team. They're riding the crest of a wave and now's the wrong time to play West Coast over in the West and I'm going to stick with the home team in what should be a belting finished to Round 9.
1: Yeah, I think this is going to be a great way to finish Round 9, as you said, and it's going to be uh, a great clash between these two sides. Yeah, it's it's a tough one. Uh, Toby Nankervis didn't train with Richmond yesterday, so he's in doubt, which means they'd be down a, a tall and they have to bring in Ivan Soldo or someone along those lines. Will it impact Richmond? No, they've they've proved that they don't need tools and a, and a ruck to, to win games, but uh, I'm I'm still going to tip Richmond. However, I, yeah, I, I I wouldn't be surprised if the Eagles won the game. So
0: there you have it. We're... We agreed on the first eight games, and that last game we've gone our separate ways. There are your tips for round number nine. Now it's time for Never Again.
1: On footyology, never again.
0: Well, it's a pretty obvious one this week, Carl, but never again should anyone touch an umpire. Don't shake his hand if you find out it's his birthday or her birthday. <laughs> Don't straighten his toupee if you see that the wig has come out of position. Don't. Pat him on the bum for a good decision and certainly don't remonstrate with him in any physical manner. Look, our sport, Australian rules football, does not allow for any intentional contact between umpires and players. I've said it before, as an umpire, as soon as we step on the field, we're made of porcelain and be very careful in handling. So it's an obvious one, but be under no confusion. Never again should a player an umpire, have you got a never again for us?
1: I do, and it relates to umpires as well. Except I, I uh, never again will I tweet about AFL umpires. Uh, I made a tweet saying, you know, what's the deal with AFL umpires? Are they instructed to not pay free kicks to Richmond during a game and, and favour their opponents? It's okay because Richmond can overcome this obstacle anyway when when the umpires pay free kicks to the, to Richmond's opponents. Uh, Look, it got a bit of a attraction on on social media and uh some comments that I probably would prefer not to have read <laughs> so never again will I tweet or rant about a f l umpires
0: oh can you copy a bit of criticism carlos Oh
1: uh, no i could i could but i the notifications kept showing up on my phone this <laughs> person saying this this person's saying that so I'll, I'll be I'll be careful with my words next time
0: well this has been a an abridged version of our podcast for round nine, the round nine preview on footyology. Rowan will be back next week, but Carl, I want to thank you.
1: Thank you, Fine.
0: Very ably stood in his stead and pressed the buttons as well. So have a great week. This is footyology, the round nine preview. And don't forget on Sunday night, I'll be teaming up once again with Ronnie Lerner for footyology TV. I look back at round nine, and this time next week it'll be Roko and myself once again bringing you the Footyology podcast. Hope your team wins on the weekend, whoever they may be.